Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. This is uh, like one of those side hustle interviews. So I talked to Shane Myers, and he is well-known on YouTube as the Rise and Grind Picker. I will put a link in the show notes and description so you can get to that. And kind of a cool thing, I was reviewing Shane's channel a few minutes ago and it's been a few months since uh, he and I talked when we first recorded this, but his channel was like blowing up like the month that I chatted with him. So I'm just going to you know ballpark it. I think his channel was at something like 3,000 subscribers um, like a few weeks uh, before I chatted with him. By the time I talked to him, it was at 7,000. Right now, a few months later, it's at 20,000. His trajectory is amazing. He he got a viral video, right? He, he created a viral video. Uh, it was like a Dollar Tree arbitrage. And that's what we're talking about today. It's all about retail arbitrage. And Shane basically leaned into what was working so well, retail arbitrage. And Shane goes into a lot of detail in his videos. He actually brings his camera into different stores and looks through the clearance shelves. And he obviously has a a good strategy about how he's, you know, making purchases and, and taking care of it from there. He specializes generally in reselling on eBay and on Amazon. In the interview, Shane tells us about one of his biggest scores, and it was through an auction where he bought a storage unit, I guess, that you know, someone didn't claim the stuff. And then he also tells us about how you can get started with reselling. And it's a pretty straightforward business model. You buy something for you know, a good deal and then you sell it somewhere else where maybe you can, you know, sell it for a little bit more like eBay or Amazon. Shane tells us how he got started exactly like his first few flips. And kind of the idea is, you know, you buy something, whatever you could afford, that is a good deal. You sell it for a little bit more, and then you take that and reinvest it, right? You buy it, you find something else that's a good deal. Then you buy that, and then you sell it for more. So, like I said, it's a pretty straightforward business model. Shane tells us a little bit about his YouTube journey. I was just personally interested in asking questions about that. And at the time when I interviewed him, I think my channel was something like, you know, 30% larger than his. And now his is something like, you know, 50% larger than uh, mine as far as subscribers. So this is a great example of looking at data, seeing what is working. Because, you know, without even talking to Shane in the last couple months, I know that he was looking at the videos that were doing really well. And he was creating more videos like that. And he also has a huge community aspect where he's very involved in the comments. He, I think he does live streams pretty often as well. So I can go on and on about what a great YouTuber Shane is, but instead I'm going to send it to the interview so you can hear his story. What's up? Doug Cunnington here and I'm sitting with Shane Myers. How are you doing today, Shane? Hey, good, Doug. Thanks for having me on. All right. And most of the people on my 
channel and viewers don't know who you are. So can you give a little bit of an intro about yourself and your YouTube channel? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Shane and I go by the Rise and Grind Picker on YouTube. And I have a YouTube channel that revolves around um, a little bit of marketing, reselling, selling on eBay and Amazon and how to build online businesses. Awesome. Now, I want to jump into something exciting. So do you have any like epic flips that you've done? Any that just got to lead with? Like, what's the biggest thing you've done? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things I've done is I've been reselling since about 2005-ish. And around 2007, I actually hit a storage unit that I paid $1,200 for and profited about $6,000 off of one storage unit. It had like a really old barn inside it and a really old truck. And as soon as I moved everything, it had like brand new power tools stacked up and all sorts of stuff. It was like a contractor's unit that had like actually the business had failed and uh, I was able to scoop it up. So, wow. And I haven't uh, I don't know much about the business model, to be honest with you. So for a storage unit, it's just auctioned off or how does that situation work? Yeah. So most of the time, so now they actually have a website that you can actually go online and you can actually buy a storage unit and it's called storagetreasures.com. But back then that uh, you didn't really have that. And so you would basically, you would go to an auction and you would, they would just auction it off. And in that scenario, sometimes they go really, really high. Wow. That's pretty cool. So Paid twelve hundred, grossed like uh, six thousand. So yeah, pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, six seven. Yeah, something like that. And I guess like is that how scary is that to like bid on something and it could be full of like old you know newspapers or whatever, right? It's pretty scary. I mean, it's a huge risk, and uh, I don't do a lot of storage auctions anymore just because. There was a lot of risk involved, especially after all the TV shows. Some of the actually storage unit places aren't too on the up and up. So you kind of got to really watch out for like them loading the units and stuff like that. Got it. All right. So we could backtrack a little bit. And luckily, like I said, I don't know much about the business model. And for the other people that don't know much, can you just sort of like lay out the retail arbitrage model and some of the selling and reselling that you do? Absolutely. So retail arbitrage, what you do is you walk into a retail store and it's simple. You just buy low and sell high. So when you walk into a retail store, you want to find items that are usually on clearance or potentially being discontinued. And that discontinued items are a very sought after item because they're they're not going to be in stock anymore. So people want to buy them. Where do you resell typically? So I live in Illinois. And so I, I basically uh, source in Illinois. Um, I also travel out of state. I'll travel Chicago, stuff like that. But I also sell on Amazon, eBay. I do not do any local sales. Just really Amazon and eBay is about the only two I do. Okay. And I guess, are there certain products where it'd be better on Amazon versus eBay? How do you make that determination? Absolutely. So a lot of your products um, on Amazon, I sell a lot of books on Amazon and a lot of your products on Amazon, especially from retail stores, sometimes you'll get those products like, uh, let's say beauty supply, stuff like that. It's on clearance. Sometimes you can pick it up for a couple bucks. It may sell on Amazon for like five, but you also may be restricted in it because in the health and beauty section, Amazon restricts tons of people. And on eBay, it could be getting like 10 bucks. And eBay doesn't restrict anybody. So it's, uh, you know, and sometimes it does bad on both. You just got to kind of like make that determination. Okay. And how did you get started with this in the beginning? You said like 2005, right? So you've been doing this a while. Yeah. So really back then it really, it was really truly a side hustle. All I did was I just did it for 
a little bit of spare, ch- you know, spare money, whatever. And I wasn't really serious about it. I still have a nine to five um, I go to, but I actually have a licensed business in the state of Illinois and it's kind of grown into that. And one day I, I had $20 in my savings account and I'm like, I need to figure something out. I need to figure something out quick. And my wife is like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I used to resell a lot on eBay and stuff. And this was before I even knew YouTube existed in reselling. Uh, I didn't even know that. And I took the $20. I went to a thrift store and I bought some small purchases and I just kept flipping them over and over. And eventually you can build a business out of truly nothing because there's no overhead. Wow. And do you remember like what those first few items were? Yeah, I think really I, I one of the items I picked up was an electronic dog collar still in the package at a thrift store. I bought it for $1.99 and sold it for $98. Wow. And I was going to say, I we have a dog and we use an electronic dog collar yep. and I know they, they're pricey. Even at 98 bucks, like that's a pretty good deal. So yeah, absolutely. They're expensive. And you got it for a buck? Is that what yeah, you said? Yeah, $1.99. <laughs> yeah. And it was a pet safe. So it, it, it was just a collar. And the uh, little transmitter box, and it was you know ninety eight dollars and some change. Amazing, that's pretty cool. So you just you started with twenty bucks, you flipped a couple times, mm-hmm. and you were like, hey, this works. So, and you said you have a, you still do a, a full time job, so this is still a side hustle for you. Yeah, it, it's still really a side hustle. The only difference is I actually put full time hours into it now because I have to because <laughs> it's actually a legit business. I have a lot to ship out. I'm doing any uh, probably per week to Amazon for books, probably about 50 to 80 pounds of books a week into okay. FBA. Okay. And that's how you measure it these days by the poundage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's say you need more, uh, you know, goods, right? So how do you go out? Where do you source this stuff? So thrift stores, you mentioned, what, what are some other sources out there? So since I have a business license in the state of Illinois and a reseller's license, I can actually buy wholesale. So just like, uh, you know, big box stores, I won't get the discount they get, but I can buy wholesale. I do thrift stores, estate sales, garage sales, really auctions are, are really a really good source to do that with really anywhere that you can think of that you can really buy something for a lower cost to be able to flip it. A lot of, of luck that I've had on finding stuff has been on like let go offer up and uh, Craigslist. Cool. And then basically someone just wants like something hauled away. I'm most familiar with Craigslist. So someone's like, just pick it up and you can basically show up with a truck or your car. And as long as you take yeah. it, they're happy, right? Yeah. And, and Craigslist, you can buy stuff off there too. But I like to look at the free category because I had a lady that actually had posted a ton of books for free. I'm not even going to lie. It was like two or 300. It was crazy. My car was completely full of books. I picked them up and I think I profited like almost two grand off of that deal. Uh, Yeah. It's so amazing. Okay. So they just wanted it out and you took it and then interesting. Yeah. And and who, I don't know. I'm kind of blown away to be honest (laughs) with you. And the the crazy part is, is in that big mess was a bunch of nursing textbooks. And I really didn't think they were going to be worth a lot because textbooks, it really is hit or miss. And there was like three or four textbooks that were in the over $100 range, like 120 to $118 range in that box. Wow. So what do you consider like a good day when you're going out, um, say to garage sales or uh, thrift stores or, or whatever? A good day, really what I consider a good day would be if you're going to go out to garage sales and, and thrift stores. I would say if I could find at least in one day four to three hundred dollars in profit, it's a pretty decent day. I found way more than that other times, but it really just depends. Sure. And I guess like you said, some days you're gonna make two thousand bucks and I'm sure other days you're you it's a dud, right. right? There's nothing good out there. Right, right, exactly. 
So it sounds sort of intense with the the work you have to do, which sounds dumb, right? Because mm-hmm. everything takes work. But right. in, in this case, like you're literally going around driving. Is there a way to kind of minimize that a little bit? Or is that actually just part of the fun and enjoyment of like the hunt, right? Well, for me, a lot of it's a hunt. But if you really want to minimize it, uh, what I do is I have a uh, website on my phone. It's called uh, Book Sale Scouter or something like that. I think it is. Hold on. Yeah. And what what that does is it takes all the book sales in the United States and it lets you search in book sales in your area, anywhere you want to search at. Some of these book sales have over a million books. So if you're going to source for Amazon FBA, that's the perfect place to do it. You know, you you might drive two and a half hours one way, but the profit's going to be pretty decent. Okay, cool. And you said you mainly focus on books just in general. Yeah, for Amazon FBA, I do because uh, personally me, I'm restricted in every category. I actually just started selling on Amazon August 2nd, and I'll pull up my numbers here. Today is the 22nd, and keep in mind your first shipment takes a little while to get to Amazon, but I've done $800 in revenue just in two weeks on Amazon. Wow. Okay. You have been doing this for a while, but who are some people that you follow, uh, maybe that inspire you? Maybe they're a little bit ahead of you, stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. So some of the people that you know kind of inspire me, you have Pete, the Craigslist hunter. He is one of the uh, the big YouTube influencers in reselling, and he has a pretty big subscri- subscriber base. He lives in Chicago. He has his own store, and he sells online. So he's really adapt to business. Um, and then you have Chad, the Golden Finger Picker. Same kind of deal. Um, he has a, a pretty large YouTube influence, and then he's been doing it a really long time and is really resourceful. And are most uh, resellers focused on YouTube, or are there are there bloggers? And then, inst- uh, like, I, got, I don't know the ecosystem, <laughs> so is it mostly... Do you guys mostly live on uh, YouTube? For me, I do Twitch and I do YouTube. Now, my Twitch account was kind of a test, and I just wanted to see like kind of the the marketing I get in the in the subscriber base. And I haven't really done a lot of videos, but on YouTube, uh, I have been doing YouTube about a year and a half. And then there is also a handful of resellers that have a pretty big influence. But there's a big community, a community around reselling where you can actually like you know kind of reach out to people and stuff like that. So gotcha. I spend most of my time the affiliate marketing area and it's interesting like how like siloed off we are even though it's such a close like relationship the business model and stuff so yeah kind of crazy as i started looking there were just huge channels tons of interaction big communities and i had no idea (laughs) and same here i mean when i first got into reselling i had no idea and i did it for several years and had no clue you have been doing this a while. I expect that you probably made a few mistakes. I know I've made mm-hmm. tons of mistakes. I still make them. They're just much bigger now. So do you have a need to share? Maybe you could help folks avoid some mistakes if they're getting started. Absolutely. So when you first get started in reselling, one of the biggest mistakes that resellers make is comparing themselves to someone else's business. I mean, I can I can show you, you know, pull my eBay account and show you that I've had several weeks where I've done a thousand dollars in sales in one week. But you can't compare yourself to that when you're first starting out. A lot of resellers like to do that when they first start out. I want those numbers. But realistically, you're just going to be chasing someone else's business. You got to make it work for you. I think that probably translates to like most any business model because yeah. it's really hard like you do want to compare yourself to someone who's been doing it for 13 years you know yep. it's pretty hard to jump in on day two and, right. and do that so and what helps me out a lot in in the aspect of retail arbitrage like 
going into retail stores is I, I did retail management for nine years and also uh, held a corporate level jobs in retail management. So really uh, for me, like retail arbitrage, I know how stores ticket their clearance. I know a lot of information that no one else would know for that. So that really gives me kind of a leg up a little bit. Gotcha. Can you share in, like one little yeah. uh, thing yeah, of that? Absolutely. That sounds pretty absolutely. mysterious. <laughs> absolutely. So so like Target, for example. So I, I actually held an executive level job at Target for two years. Right now I work in sales. I completely kind of got out of retail. And so I hold a, like a, a nine to five in sales. But what you want to look at is Target. How they clearance all their stuff is it's done by a, a clearance team. It's really really promiscuous like they don't target any areas if they happen to be by an end cap with some clearance and it's not selling they'll just ticket it down and they have the full power to tick it down however far they want as long as it stays like 30 percent above the actual uh price they bought it at you might go in there one day and stuff's like 10 per, you know 20 30 percent off usually 30 percent off is the main the main ticket area that they start at two days later it could be 70 I don't know much about retail. I, I just did a little stint in like college, but right. um, I go to the Home Depot all the time. They let me bring my dog in there, so I walk in all the time. I'm browsing. Uh, a lot of times there's stuff on clearance. Anyway, I had my eye on this like uh, pizza grilling kit, you know, the stone and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and it was like 125 bucks. And I kept watching it, and sure enough, towards the very end of like fall, and I'm in Bozeman, Montana, so it gets cold here. People are not grilling oh, yeah. outside <laughs> in uh, like the winter. So I think in like November, like it kept getting marked down and marked down. And finally it was like 24 bucks. And I was like, I can't believe I like this. This is so cheap. You can't even buy the stone, let alone the hardware. So it's like, you got to hang on for a long time. Of course I wasn't, I just wanted to like make pizza. <laughs> myself right exactly and that would be like a retail arbitrage kind of thing like what you did you would just you would just watch it and as soon as it goes down you would buy it and resell it gotcha and i just i should have bought the rest of them but i <laughs> I just bought the one i didn't even right. i was like oh i bet i could resell it but it, it never i was like oh, i'll have to ship it the stone's heavy and all that stuff but right. you just get the seller to to pay for it right so exactly yeah yeah exactly. just get in the paper for the so you mentioned that you are, you know, you're working your full-time gig and then you're doing this on the side, but you're putting in like some serious hours. So thanks again for spending time talking to me, but Definitely. how do you find motivation to like keep pushing? So that's a, that's a hard, that's a hard answer because really your motivation, everybody's motivated for whatever motivates themselves, And people are normally motivated for what's best for them and their family, right? So money motivates me. Growing a business motivates me. And so what I what I do is I actually, you know, I have business accounts and stuff like that. I have to keep books on and stuff. And since I work a full-time job, most of that money, I just don't touch it. I, I don't pay myself. And eventually, when I do quit my full-time job, most of our bills, our house should be all paid off way early, and we won't have to worry about anything. That's a, I guess, a very good why. You know, it comes back mm-hmm. like, why, are, why are we doing this? So that's awesome. Like, it'll obviously pay off, and it's really awesome for your family and stuff. That's pretty cool. There must be times where we also get like frustrated, and maybe maybe it goes back to the the same thing where you're like, all right, why am I doing this? And you sort of regroup. Mm-hmm. Is, is it pretty much the same when you, when you're frustrated? Is that how you get out of the hole? Oh yeah, like you're going to hit a lot of frustrations and, and stuff like reselling. 
any kind of business, you're going to have frustrations. So what you got to do is you got to find the best way to kind of regroup yourself to get past it. You got to move past it. You got to just, you just got to blow past it and not look back. And so, you know, a lot, a, a, one of the biggest frustrations a lot of resellers have is they say, I can't find nothing to sell in my area. Think about that for a second and then realize in the United States, okay, we are the most wasteful people in the entire world. So any kind, anytime you go to a thrift store, a garage sale, anything, what you got to do is look at what's available to you. And that's what you sell. I'm just thinking of some of the thrift stores around here. And there's uh, our population is fairly small here in Montana. Mm-hmm. But even even so, there are like sort of wealthy pockets like Big Sky. There's a couple thrift stores where you could find like really awesome stuff mm-hmm. because – these wealthy folks just kind of got rid of it. It's very yeah. interesting. So Yeah, absolutely. Now, in my sort of uh, area of affiliate marketing, we talk about mastermind groups a lot. Are you part of a mastermind group or anything similar? I currently am not. Um, one of the people I watch on YouTube a lot, he does a lot of sales vlogs. He has a mastermind group, is uh, The Hardcore Closer. And that's a super good channel to kind of get motivated. And I, I take it you haven't been in the past either? No, 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 okay. I have not. Okay. Interesting. I don't know for, for the folks that I've been talking to in some of the other interviews like this, it's almost like a little therapy session where you could, I mean, you're just talking shop and I mean, you could make it as serious or not as, uh, sort of casual as you want, but yeah, it's sort of like we can gripe about business a little bit, talk shop and it's a nice way to just catch up. So absolutely. You were talking about like this uh, round table that you do with other resellers. Do you want to just mention that it's not really a mastermind group uh, per se, but I'm sure you guys are able to vent a little bit in that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of a, a, a actually sh- a panel show on YouTube and it's called the reseller six pack. And there's uh, about eight to 10 of us that are actually in the group. And what we do is we talk about business reselling because there's a lot like reselling a lot of people don't view reselling as a business but it is a legit business model and a lot of resellers are even going towards more of buying wholesale and so what you really got to think about is how can i grow this business and that's what we talk about and it's a it's a good time it's on sundays at uh, 7 p.m central central time all right let's say you're able to talk to someone who is interested in just getting started maybe they're a little nervous to maybe go to a garage sale or a thrift store they're afraid that they're gonna like buy something that they you know can't recoup their money or they'll lose money on what advice do you have like for the brand new person getting started so for the brand new person just getting started my advice would be to take 10 15 or 20 whatever you can afford go to a thrift store or anything and just get your phone out literally this is is a computer that you carry around with you all day long every day and if you take it out and you just download the ebay app and you start looking up stuff you can look at completed listings and you can see what it sold for if it didn't sell and at that point, when you buy that item, that's that's your profit. You just got to sell it, but you know it sells for that. And so probably my advice would be don't be afraid to lose money because you're going to lose money. In any business, you're going to lose, even if it's a dollar, eventually you're going to lose money. Just you know, take the risk, even if it's small or big, and just research it out. And, you know, my, my brain is going to, all right, I see that the, uh, the product sold looks good. Uh, the price works out shipping. How how do I make sure I don't, uh, lose the profit in shipping for me? 
I do a lot of free shipping on eBay. I just bake the shipping cost into my item price. And so regardless if someone's uh, saying I'm going to you know sell this for $20 and $7 shipping, how I list my items is I always go to the lowest price on eBay and I look at the price. And for the most part, a customer, they're going to go to eBay and they're going to hit the lowest price because they want the best deal, right? And if they're selling it for $19 with $7 in shipping at the lowest, well, I'm going to come in a dollar and under what they are, but it's still going to have the shipping cost in it. Right, right. Cool. So you just have to think ahead. All the numbers mm-hmm. are there um, for you. So you should be all right. Cool. And now there is like some, you know, some stuff you can do on eBay. Like you can do calculated shipping where when the buyer actually buys it from you, it calculates their shipping before they, they actually confirm the final purchase. And then it's just added in. Nice. And how do you do your shipping? Um, like what service do you use? So I use either FedEx or USPS, the post office. Through eBay, you get like, you know, on certain services, usually about 30-some percent off to 20-some percent off. And so FedEx is usually cheaper on heavier items. But if it's like clothing and stuff like that, usually like priority or first class through through USPS. Cool. I'm curious if you have any side hustle business ideas that you don't have time for. You sound like a busy man. So <laughs> if you have any business ideas, maybe uh, scratches your own itch. So, you know, one of my business ideas in the past was uh, creating board games. And around holiday season, you know, you can you can look up like manufacturers in China and stuff like that. You can sketch out a board game, you know, kind of illustration, have them print up, printed up for fairly cheap. And then you could technically flip all of them either at flea markets in the winter or you could just sell them right on Amazon or eBay. And that was one of my business ideas in the past and uh i just never really got to it you know yeah are you a big uh board game person yeah i like board games so when people buy board games they're buying they're buying time with their family you know what i mean and that's why people and families like board games and so for me uh that was a that was one idea i had and i come up with like 500 a day usually because my mind's constantly running but i never remember any of them yeah yeah <laughs> It's funny. Yeah. Like once you start seeing some opportunities, it's like a floodgate and you're just like, I can't do more. I need to stop coming up with these ideas. Right. Cool. Any others? I had one really good idea a while back ago and I completely forgot what it was, but (laughs) it was, uh, uh, oh yeah. So it's a blanket. Okay. It's a blanket that has a zipper in the middle of it. But okay. not really a zipper. Uh, you could do like buttons or something where it's not like really hard on the skin. Sure. So that way when you and your spouse don't want to share the blanket, it tears apart. Oh, I see. All right. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, and I, I yeah. never heard or thought of that. Yeah. So I kind of want to geek out on the YouTube stuff. So what kind of gear do you use? Um, what's your workflow look like and stuff like that? So – on my YouTube channel, what I do is I use uh, Morning Fame to research all my content. And so I will actually research out content on what's getting good views, what's not getting good views. And then I just – I make the video from there. So like if I type in retail arbitrage, which my Dollar General video that I, or my Dollar Tree video I made actually 
was like ranking number five in that in that entire group. But what I'll do is I'll I'll research like a, a good title or a good like like retail arbitrage, a good set of keywords. And then I'll look at the videos and I can see what keywords are actually using. And then I kind of build off of that for me. Okay. Cool. And you said you've been on YouTube for about a year and it looks like your growth's like pretty pretty awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. About a year and a few months and uh you know, it, it took a long time to grow. So I, I did probably a solid seven months of just talking to myself, not really having anybody watch. And that's pretty typical. Usually when you start off a YouTube channel, it's pretty rough, right? And then you slowly start to build an influence. And for me, I think the best part is doing it from the ground up and building an organic following. I know exactly what you're talking about. A lot of my, I mean, I had some rough ones in the, in the very beginning, but you leave <laughs> them out there, too. you know, it's part of the whole whole deal. So the evolution, right? very cool. So I guess, do you have any uh, like goals uh, for your channel in the coming year or what's your, what's your aim here? Yeah. So for, for my channel in the next year, like really what I want to do is, is keep growing and, and see how, how much it can grow. I'm going to be eventually getting better uh, video editing software to throw up uh, on my, on my PCs and as well as, you know, new, new uh, filming equipment and stuff like that. So cool. And what, what are you filming on right now? So really all it is, is a GoPro or my phone. I have a GoPro Hero 4. I also have like a Samsung. It's like the, the 1080 bulb can like the 360 view camera. Oh, um, cool. and then I, yeah. And then I use my Samsung either that or my S nine plus, but, um, what I'm looking at probably in the next month is I'll be getting like a G seven X to vlog and stuff with. So cool. I mean, these cell phones these days are freaking awesome. So it's yeah. hard to, yeah. it's hard to argue with them. So, I mean, I have some other gear too, cause I like, you know, tech gadgets and all that stuff right. and it's an excuse to get another lens or whatever, but cool. So yeah. you're just, you're using what you had. Um, and then you were shooting videos and you didn't go mm-hmm. crazy. And I know some people they're like, I'm going to buy all this stuff like right when you're getting started. So you just, you were doing work like right away, basically. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is with YouTube, you know, even if you're making money off the AdSense, you're not going to make that right away. Like you have a solid year to build that organic following before you really make your first cent. So really what I did was I just, I bought a GoPro Hero 4. I, I went on Lego and I typed in GoPro Hero 4 and I negotiated one down and bought it for 100 bucks. And it came with all of the accessories. And then I, I actually – the video editing software I use is uh, Filmora Wondershare and it's pretty cheap. I think you can get a subscription around for less than 100 and if you buy it once, you, you have it, period. Nice. It's just a one-time buy. And so for me – I did that just to start out with, and I'm like, well, I'll film with my phone too because uh, on Samsung, like if you have an S9 Plus, they have really good video. And so, you know, I'm like, well, I'll do this for a while and see how it works. And and I bought a webcam. Nice. And that's, you know, and some mics and stuff like that. But that's really all I bought. I mean, to start my channel out with, probably had maybe $150 wrapped up. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Shane. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Where should people find you? So you can find me on YouTube. Uh, It's Rise and then just the letter N and then uh, Grind Picker. Or you can uh, hit me up over on Instagram at uh, Rise and Grind Picker. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody.
Thanks a lot to Shane. I really appreciate him taking the time to talk to me and definitely check out his channel, Rising Grind Picker. I'll put a link in the show notes and description. And, uh, you know, he's on Instagram too, so check that out as well. The cool thing is his channel is just, I mean, is seriously blowing up. He's creating excellent content. Viewers are responding really well to it. And the you know, the YouTube algorithm, the YouTube gods there are uh, smiling upon him. So I think it's worth checking out. And one cool thing that I realized as I was looking at, you know, different side hustlers to interview when I was looking at this sort of, you know, side hustle idea a little bit more. I mean, I've spent a lot of time. I've spent a few years in the affiliate marketing area. And if you're listening to this, you probably know I talk mostly about Amazon affiliate marketing, but there's huge pockets of people who are really into things, subcultures, we'll call them. And there are just subcultures where there's ecosystems, there's whole like economies and, you know, people making money people doing things and influencers in individual areas. Super interesting because I really wasn't paying much attention to any sort of retail arbitrage. But at the time when I was like doing some research, I was watching a decent number of uh, Gary V videos, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I don't know, I go through phases sometimes where I'm, interested in hearing from from Gary V and then other times I feel like he's yelling at me or other people <laughs> and maybe maybe I don't appreciate his approach uh, on those particular days but other times I love it so anyway I was listening to uh, Gary do some videos on retail arbitrage apparently he likes doing that sort of stuff I think he did a series a couple of vlogs where, you know, he went around to garage sales in his area and he was flipping stuff. He was literally going around like, uh, like Shane trying to find good deals. And it was about the hunt, you know, it was like the lifestyle. He really enjoyed it. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is I didn't even have a clue that there were so many people doing so much in the retail arbitrage area. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, I had been exposed to the idea quite a bit when I was getting into affiliate marketing because a lot of people, a lot of the same people who were doing Amazon affiliate marketing were also doing FBA and FBA, not where they were private labeling their own products. They were buying things and then just having Amazon do the fulfillment. So in that way, I was kind of familiar with it, but I was like, ah, you know, it sounds fine. It sounds like, you know, a a straightforward business model. But for me, I had a full-time job at the time and I was like, I don't really want to go around and look for the deals. Like I don't want to run around, sit in traffic. I was living in Atlanta at the time. I don't want to sit in the car for more hours going to all the fucking Walmarts in the Atlanta area or Target or whatever. I'm just like, ah, I really just, I don't want to do that. It doesn't sound that fun. Now, personally, now I like to get a good, I like to get a good deal on my own if I'm buying stuff for myself, but I was like at scale, I don't like the way it would work out for me personally, right? For me personally, 
that's not where I wanted to spend my time. Cause to me, it sounded like a lot of it would just, it was just going to be in the car, not fun for me personally, but obviously it works really well for a lot of people. And like I said, there's a whole subculture, which I didn't even realize existed. And as I started looking at more, uh, YouTubers, that was kind of the area where I was trying to spend my time doing research. I saw there were dozens, at least dozens of very big YouTubers doing some form of retail arbitrage and they were getting like massive numbers of views. And as I have uh, been going to retail shops more recently, I, I moved. So I'm buying a bunch of crap <laughs> that I need to, uh, you know, fill up my house and, and that sort of thing. I'm seeing you know, clearance items at, uh, the hardware store at Walmart at, um, what other stores am I going into? Walmart, Lowe's, Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm over at the Target. And basically you end up seeing there's a lot of stuff for sale and sometimes it's a really good deal. I can see how, you know, you can, you can make this work. And I'm in the Denver area right now where, there are a, uh, you know, there's a bunch of these retail stores. I don't know how many Walmarts there are in the area, but the point is, uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could drive around and get the great deals all over town and then make this work. And if you like, you know, if you like the hunt, if you like doing that stuff, then it's probably a fantastic business model. Now, on the other side of the equation, I appreciate the consumer side And in probably the last two years or so, I've been reading a lot more. In fact, I started buying like more physical books. And sometimes they are older books, books that, uh, you know, maybe they were New York Times bestsellers in the past or just other good books. And if you look around on eBay, for example, a lot of times you could find them for, you know, 75% off, you know, they're 10 year old books and you could probably find them at the library, but some books are good and I want to own them. Now, not everybody, you know, wants to, you know, buy more stuff to take up space or whatever, or to read, you know, a lot of people don't read much, but for me, I was like, ah, you know what? I, I've read this book before. I really like it. And I'm looking at one on the shelf right now, The Power of Habit, Habit, Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And it's a great book. I read it um, from the library at one point, the, the ebook copy, I read it. And I was like, this is a fantastic book. I'm actually going to buy it. So I went to eBay shopped around a little bit. And I think I got it from like a Goodwill from, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country. I have no idea where. And it was like, I don't remember, $5, like under $5, because I think it's a paperback, the particular version I have. The point is, I enjoy it from a consumer standpoint, because you can get basically a brand new book. A lot of books are, uh, you know, not used very heavily. Now, sometimes you, you end up with one that's kind of, you know, busted up, but when it comes down to it, as long as it's not marked up and, uh, like too rough where you can't read it or there's somehow unenjoyable, then you have a little bit of a problem. But most of the time people donate books to Goodwill or some other, uh, charity 
and uh, they end up reselling them for pretty cheap. So, you know, if you want to take advantage of the other side and get some good deals, that's a great way to do it. I'm going to skip the Q&A for this episode, but if you want to ask any questions, send an email over to feedback at doug.show, and I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. And I almost forgot to leave the voicemail number, which I can't remember off the top of my head yet, but it's 406 8130613 and you can leave a voicemail of course tell me your name tell me where you're from you can ask a question you can leave a compliment jokes jokes are good i like to laugh maybe you have a short anecdote that's humorous maybe it's not a straight up joke but uh you know i imagine it'll probably fit better if you ask a question related to marketing or, you know, something that we normally talk about. You can ask a beer question. I know a lot about beer as well. And at this point, I'm just rambling. So let's just roll the credits here. <laughs>